Radio with Jerry Prokopovich and John Marzlek. We've been talking about Halleck and Sherman. When we come back, we'll be talking about what the Civil War means to people today. Have you let your website go stale? Wish you didn't have to wait for your web developer to return your call when you want to update content? You don't have to. Now you can easily and instantly manage your own website content using affordable Avalar technology. Avalar is a website development and hosting company that provides turnkey internet solutions for companies like yours that need to stay focused on core business. Avalar gives you the power to control your website and make updates and additions in real time without having to learn HTML or other complicated programming tools. Websites powered by Avalar feature capabilities that attract more customers and enhance relationships with existing customers. Avalar offers a multitude of leading-edge solutions, including lead generation and referral tracking, shopping carts and payment processing, membership management, and search engine optimization, to name a few. Take advantage of the full power of the Internet using Avalar technology at www.avalar.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R.com. Vitality is a natural expression of health, success, and fulfillment. And yet it's rare to meet people bubbling with vitality. That's because most of us push ourselves too hard. And when we trigger the internal alarms that tell us to change our diets, attitudes, or activities, we ignore them. Allowing outside pressures to override our internal alarms undermines our health, sabotages our success, and limits our potential. If you're ready to reclaim your natural vitality, to begin living a life you love, visit thevitalyou.com. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Welcome to World Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. With me today is John Marslick, author of biographies of William T. Sherman and Henry Halleck, among many other books about American history and the Civil War. John, we've been talking about uh, General Sherman and his reputation today is certainly as one of the most uh, disliked generals uh, among many Southerners who, who think about the Civil War. Sure. And yet, as you point out uh, personally, he was he was very uh, very pro-Southern. Uh, had lived in the South. Uh, it, it, it's the Civil War is, is our only felt history. Uh, yeah. That's been said. It still raises strong reactions among people when you talk about the topic. Uh, why do people care so much about it still? Yeah, that, that's 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 an excellent uh, excellent question, and, and I think every, every one of us who who is involved in teaching or writing about the about the Civil War, uh, uh, I think, has asked ourselves that. You know, how how is it? You now we keep saying, is it ever? Are we going to get to that point where people are going to stop? Stop being interested in you know in this uh, event, and every time it looks like it's going to happen, it doesn't happen, and we continue to have have an interest. Um, I think uh, you know again, being someone who's lived in Mississippi and taught at Mississippi State University for over thirty years, uh, you know I've 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 taught students of from various parts of the country, but most of them are from the South, and most of them are from uh, from Mississippi. And this is an issue. And what I what I've found is is this is something that still seems to resonate uh, in families and in in communities. Uh, people still talk about this war as happening, 
And in many ways, um, someone once said, and I can't remember who I want to give credit to, but I can't remember who said it, but uh, made the point that the Civil War is the only experience that some Americans have had in being on the losing side. And you could argue that about some other wars in American history, but, but certainly in that particular case, that Southerners were on the losing side. And so in many ways, the South is still dealing with that with that issue, and I think we, when, when when we look at the development of the lost cause uh, during the late 19th and early 20th century, the development of, of many of the the patriotic organizations whose uh, reason for existence basically was not only to talk about the war, but to justify the war, to to make sure that the history of the war comes out in a way that is favorable to the Confederacy. So I think that has uh, i think certainly has uh, has a great deal uh, uh to do with that and i think the result is is that not only are we interested in the civil war but we tend to be interested in the mythology of the war uh we don't often want to face the um, the fact the the realistic situation what actually happened but we like to talk about some of the stories and some of the myths and certainly sherman uh is is an essential part of this myth he is, uh, I think, the quintessential villain. Uh, if, if we're going to argue, as, as some people do, that the Confederacy, uh, you know, uh, represented virtue and the Union represented the bad guys, well, how do we know that? Well, we, all we have to do is look at Sherman. Here's the bad guy and compare him to the quintessential good guy, Robert E. Lee. So I think I think a lot of that plays is part of it, and I think Sherman is at the very center. Uh, of, of this kind of thinking, it's it's a cliche that in in war the winners write the history. Right. But it, it seems to me sometimes that that cliche doesn't apply to the Civil War. I think that you're. I think you're right. Yeah. It, the the South think, no, seems sorry, to dominate no. the interpretation. Yeah. Oh, I think I think you're right. I mean, I think one of the good. I have a group of, of good friends who are reenactors, and and they tell me that. That there's usually no problem when you're setting a you know reenacting a battle to get uh, people to reenact Confederates. You got a bigger difficulty getting people who will reenact Union soldiers. Uh, that there's much more desire on the part uh, of reenactors to be Confederates rather than to be uh, uh, to be Union soldiers, which is which is an intriguing uh, sort of story. Now some of course go both will go both ways. I mean they have both uniforms and they and they will reenact both either Union or Confederate depending what's uh, What's needed, um, but I've found, for example, in uh, with with my students uh, in the past, is that they really are very interested in the Civil War, and uh, you know can be good students, but they have uh, a lot of stories that they have been brought up with, that they have heard, uh, that they believe is is factual, and then as you as you talk to them, uh, and you know you teach them. And you say, well, here's what actually happened. They, they find this very difficult. I had an interesting experience this summer. I taught in a uh, special class for high school teachers, and the very first class, the very first lecture I gave was on the on the lost cause and this question of myth and reality and the meaning of the war and all of this. And a, and a couple of them during the break is one of these long, long classes during the summer. And during a break, a couple of them came up and just flabbergasted. Said, "We well, we've never heard this before. This is, you know, this, and these are people who are, you know, we're teaching, 
And to their credit, uh, they said, we want to we wanna know what's actually going on, what actually went on, so we can teach our students correctly. But it's there. I mean, it, 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 it's very difficult to break through. Myth is harder to, to break through than, misinfer- than, uh, than, uh, than fact is to apply, I think. I, th- I think that's absolutely right. In, uh, uh, now, here's a quote I can't remember who to credit for. Uh, but to replace, uh, you cannot replace a myth with fact. You can only replace a myth with a better myth. That's right. That's yeah. I, 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 that, that's a. I always thought I, I didn't coin this phrase, but I always thought you know that you the only thing you can do with a myth is is put some put a question in someone's mind. You're not you're not going to change anybody's uh, not going to change anybody's mind. Uh, I think you're right with fact, but but if you can put, just put a question, get people uh, get people to think. One of the things I do, for example, you know the big issue of uh, the causations of, of the Civil War. Well, you know historians have have come in agreement that slavery was at the at the base of the cause of the war but and this is an issue that of course comes up in class all the time and what i what i started doing is um, making a copy of the mississippi secession ordinance and just handing it out to to the students and letting them just look at it and i say what is what did mississippians say when they seceded from the union why they were seceding and they say well all they talk about is slavery in here and, you know, you look at the South Carolina secession ordinance, and there's nothing there about tariff. It talks about slavery. So you can do that, but, I, I, but I've never followed up, say, five or ten years later to see what these students think, you know, ten years after I gave them that piece of paper. I think that, that's uh, absolutely right. Charles Dew came up with the, the book of the Confederate uh, Secession Commissioners' right. speeches, which is similarly a kind of smoking gun as to what right. people in 1860 were thinking about secession, and it all focused on slavery. Yet uh, that doesn't that ought to have closed the argument, but right. the argument will never close. No, it won't. It, and, and I guess that that is part. And of course, you know, with the, the whole question of the Confederate flag on state flags and all is something that comes up. Uh, you know, it could, just keeps keeps coming back and back. And uh, what does what does the Confederate flag represent? And all of that. And so, you know, in one way, this this is this is good because it keeps people like us having something to do, you know, to keep <laughs> teaching and keep writing. But on the other hand, uh, it, it it's it's sad because we're we're just we're 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 putting out information, we're putting out factual information, and some people are just not paying any attention to it, and that that's kind of disconcerting, I guess. Let me ask you this: when when I was a boy, first becoming interested in the Civil War, reading Bruce Catton and looking at right. the, the beautiful maps in the American Heritage volume, uh, I was certainly enthralled with the the Confederacy, the the flag, the tattered banners, the mm-hmm. uh, the, the romance uh, of the lost cause. Before I understood anything about the politics of the war, sure, and that's understandable. The romanticism is there. Sure, eventually. You you imagine people can go beyond that and look at what's what's really there uh, in terms of, of political reasons, but now I would have said five. Uh, well, let me. I would have said in the 1990s that the the basic cultural divisions of the Civil War have more or less uh, diminished. Mm-hmm. And then in 2004, we had an election in which the electoral map. Astonishingly resembles the map of the division of free and slave states in 1850. Right. Yeah. Somebody told me I hadn't I hadn't made that connection, and somebody I think it was Craig Simons uh, pointed this out to me, uh, uh, another Civil War historian. Yeah. That's uh, that's that's absolutely amazing. 
Yeah. D- does it suggest that that perhaps the obviously slavery is not an issue, but the right. the underlying cultural assumptions, uh, beliefs, uh, ideas that that divided the country in 1850 uh, up to 1860 are still with us uh, deeper than we thought. Well, I, you know, I think uh, I think that there's something something to be uh, something to be said for that. Uh, although I, I'm just I'm just wondering if um, if there isn't something else at play, and I hadn't really looked at this. But one of the one of the things that I think you and I can understand with our ethnic background is we're both products of uh, of immigrants, of right. immigrants who came in the late 90s, 1890s, you know, turn of the century, and all. And most of most of those Polish and Italian and other immigrants uh, settled in, in 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 those states in the Midwest and in the in the East, whereas in the South, uh, you know, people like uh, like us teaching Civil War in Mississippi are a fairly recent you know phenomenon. Certainly post World War II or post nineteen sixty, I guess. Post air conditioning, I believe. Post air conditioning too. Yeah. So so I don't know. I, I'm just wondering if if it isn't wasn't that infusion of um, of of immigrants in the in the, at the turn of the century, which may help explain some of the things that are that are going on. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, it's I've thought about that, and, I, and that's the only the only thing that that I've that I've come up with. Uh, uh, because you know, I find, for example, with, when we talk about the Civil War, you know, I, I can go back home to, to New York, where where I still have relatives, and be talking to people about the Civil War, and and I'll hear some of the same myths that I hear in Mississippi. So I'm not even sure it's a sectional thing. It seems to be part of the gone with the wind uh, phenomenon. <laughs> well, absolutely, that that is really our national memory is, is largely formed by that, isn't it? Right. It really is. I mean, I'm amazed. At, in fact, I saw something in a magazine recently that uh, I think in England or someplace in Europe, uh, the favorite American movie is Gone with the Wind. Uh, it is uh, as a film. It's a, a great film. As, as history, it has certainly it has become a part of history. It's it become a part. Exactly right. Exactly what we think. Well, John, I have enjoyed talking with you tremendously today. I would love to ask you about the Petticoat War. Oh. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, we're nearing the end of our time, and we don't have time to do justice to that, but I want our listeners to know that uh, John Marzluck has written some very interesting things on episodes in American history that most people don't know anything about, but really ought to take time to learn, uh, the Petticoat War being one. Uh, with that uh, teasing thought in mind, uh, <laughs> we come to the end of our time. John, thanks for, for joining me today. Well, it's good. thanks for inviting me. I, I enjoyed it. It's always always good to be with you, and it's particularly to be able to spend time talking about the Civil War. It's just, just great. It's all, always a pleasure. This is Jerry Prokopovich. Guest today has been John Marzlek here on Civil War Talk Radio.